Welcome to your sanity safe space. Not a fucking issue. With your favorite YouTube podcast duo. You're fucking a white male. And a white female too. Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. <laughs> Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement. This, this is Beauty and the Beta. <laughs> and we will make America great again. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. Okay, I don't know whatever it is. It's not right on the teleprompter. I don't know what that is. I've never seen that. No, there it is. We are going to do sting. Yeah. Okay, but I can't read it. There's no, there's no words on it. To play us out. What does that mean? To play us out. To end the show? Yeah. All right, go, go. Yeah. Five. I'll tell you why it's not a scam, in my opinion. Tide goes in, tide goes out. You can't explain that. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a... I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay, no. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it, and we'll do it live! Fucking thing sucks! That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. Hello, and welcome to the show. It is a great show. Terrific show, tremendous show. Frankly, the best. We always do it live, not just sometimes. <laughs> always, always doing it live. This is Beauty and the Beta. My name is Matt Christensen. I am flanked on my right, as always, by my wonderful co host, Rebecca Blonde. Welcome. Hello. Jam packed agenda tonight. We did pre tape a half hour interview with Bass Stickman yesterday. We will play that at the close of the show. So if you're looking for that, it's going to be part of the stream here in about an hour's time, but uh, between now and then, we've got more items than you can shake a stick at. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> anyway, uh, you heard it in my tribute intro there. What was your favorite Bill O'Reilly moment? Because it's over, at least on Fox. I guess he's got a new podcast coming out, so next step already in play. But the original meme generator is out. Uh, we will discuss that. Uh, plus um, the France election. So it looks like Marine Le Pen is on to round two. Plus the there was a terrorist attack. Terrorist attack in France, you know, in, in other news. Um, today is Sunday. So that's just kind of your normal run-of-the-mill uh, France news these days. The terrorist attack of the week in France before the election. We'll talk about that. Two tragic killings. We, we talked about this last week. The, the killing in Cleveland, the Facebook killer, was kind of in development while we were live last oh, week. Oh, yeah, that's right. So we got that and the killer in Fresno. Uh, interesting talking points on those, uh, on those events. Plus, the Battle of Berkeley continues. You'll hear about it with Base Stick Man later. But uh, the coming fight, what is this, going to be round four in the war for Berkeley? <laughs> Battle four? I guess four? so, yeah. Uh, it's going to be Ann Coulter's fight to speak, which... It's unclear exactly what's going to happen, or at least we can't figure it out, but we're going to try to sort out. She will speak. She will speak. Right. Or she's going to go to jail, she says. (laughs) Going to jail for trying to give a speech on a college campus. We'll figure out what's going on there. 
Plus, I wanted to talk about this, or I've wanted to talk about this kind of during this whole week, but it's been such an eventful week and so many things going on that it kind of got buried. There was this outing of a transgender contestant on Survivor. <laughs> was it real? Was it staged? The battle rages on. I can't prove it either way, but I can say that everyone involved is a goddamn hypocrite, and I will explain <laughs> why. And uh, for those of you on the edge of your seats awaiting resolution in the, the great dispute, the great debate, uh, pleased to announce River Gibbs will be on the show next week. Uh, we are, are going to tape a debate this week. I'm going to sit here with my popcorn. You are going to debate River Gibbs because this is what the audience wanted. Turns I mean, out do we have to call it a debate? It's not yes. really going to be a debate. I mean, Fine. I'm just going to be like, hey, why'd you call me a bimbo, little guy? And then we're gonna we're gonna hash it out. Although he did release a new video a few days ago saying he was viciously attacked by our audience. <laughs> yeah, that you was guys literally the title him. of it. Yeah. I was attacked. Oh, what so. a little pussy, God. So we're gonna hash it out this week. <laughs> and I'm just I'm gonna watch. I'm just gonna <laughs> sit back and I'm gonna eat my popcorn and I'm gonna enjoy. Oh, For tonight, okay. it will be all this and more in your favorite hour listening material. Thank you for liking the show on YouTube. Thank you for reviewing the show on iTunes. Thank you for keeping us float, helping us upgrade stuff on Patreon. Thank you for emailing us. That is beautyandthebeta at gmail.com. We haven't visited listener art for, what, two weeks now. Um, we do have some cool submissions. I want to share those at the top of the show. So we got... Um, Steven. Uh, Steven's always sending us art. Steven Suarez. This one's very cool. We got that one. Uh, we got this cool um, Rick and Morty style artwork from Re uh, Revisargi. I don't know how to say the name. Uh, I don't know. I don't but know. I, Thanks I like for taking that one for the team. I was like, I like the I'm art a lot. Yeah. And again, <laughs> nicely augmented for you. That's always very kind when they do <laughs> know, that. We, we like I'm that. opening your eyes. I'm, I'm uncucking you. <laughs> yeah, I do like the symbolism too. That is very cool. Uh, we got some, some art, some meme art from our... Uh, our friend Facepalm Reality who has sent us a bunch of cool stuff. So you were, where was this mural taken? Was this? I was in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. We okay. were checking out some different, my boyfriend and I were checking out some different towns um, to settle in. And then I, I saw this mural and I was like, I had to stop and take a picture because I'm like, there are, these are all white people in this mural. Normally in Seattle, it's like a disabled little Mexican girl and then like a black, somebody from every culture, every ethnicity. Yeah, this doesn't fit the quota. I know, I know. There was no diversity quota on this on this mural, so I took a picture of it and tweeted about it. Um, and Facepalm Reality actually photoshopped in a gay person getting thrown off a building, <laughs> so that he could. <laughs> this looks pretty intolerant to me. Here you go. I've edited it to be more respectful of other cultures. Thank you, Facepalm Reality, as oh my always. Gosh. Uh, yeah, um, you know, I love I love our listeners. I love Facepalm. It's always. Always very creative stuff. Never miss a good opportunity to depict a um, Islamic justice for the LGBT community. <laughs> How about that? And then um, listener Matt got his mug, his Patreon reward mug. If you are interested in some of the Patreon packages, you can check us out. Linked in the description, patreon.com slash beauty and the beta. Got his mug. He will wake up with coffee and sanity, I hope, each and every morning. <laughs> Very luxurious hair, too. I know. Very I nice. was just thinking he's got a nice Fabio thing going. Yeah, yeah. That Strong jaw, long and that, hair, that, yeah. That nice hair. Very cool. <laughs> uh, hey, speaking of art, uh, you know who's back? 
You know who yeah. never really laughed over the last week? <laughs> moldy locks. Ah. We discussed moldy locks last week, and this week I did a video trying to figure out what happened there. So moldy locks has, of course, been under some online scrutiny. I think most people would say, given the evidence that exists, probably deservedly so. But, you know, she was on CBS. She did her whole interview. She's been all over everywhere. Uh, she's back fighting against the alt-right aggression with her own quasi-pornographic photo shoot on Facebook. Uh, I, I should have given a trigger warning before putting that up on the screen. I'm sorry oh, about that. But if you can't read it, since the alt-right has been loving my other modeling work, which was hairy porn, by the way, I decided now is an opportune time to pass these photos from a big idea concept I had a bit ago. I was nervous to post them, but now I find great inner strength in them. I am unashamed of myself, my body, and my sexuality, and I never will be. This is the cat suit, mask, and boots I ended up wearing at Berkeley, and they now hold a bigger significance in my heart than I could ever imagine, blah, 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 blah. It's time that Antifa has a new light shed on it with the headline make Antifa sexy again jokes on you you know they say with Trump all the time well when was America great before when are you talking about when was Antifa sexy never <laughs> never you can try to make it sexy you cannot make it sexy again no anyway oh boy your thoughts I mean of course this is really stupid for for obvious reasons but I think the saddest thing for me about this is that this was a smoking hot chick before she got all liberal. Have you seen that picture of her with like the long blonde hair yep. and she looks so ethereal and pretty and then she gets involved with liberalism and turns into a moldy, disgusting and spot. I, I, put, I put this on Twitter today and I said, you know, this might be the day I finally quit the internet. I am teetering. <laughs> I might just quit the internet Done. one day. Um, uh, but a lot of people responded. They said, you know what? I hate to admit it, but she is kind of hot. Well... I don't know. It, I'm with yeah, you. It, yeah. This I mean, isn't this hot. isn't my style, but I can see there's an attractive person in there. There's just a lot that has to be removed, <laughs> to make yeah. it, and a lot that has to be cleaned, yeah. uh, and then and then we're in good shape. But um, mm. anyway, link in the description if that is uh, if that's part of your spank bank or whatever you want. You can get the the moldy locks uh, soft core porn or the moldy locks photo shoot, whatever you want. Hey, speaking of art. I can't use that transition twice, but I'm going to try. <laughs> I almost didn't even notice. How about martial arts? I got this sent to me this week. This is great. So obviously longtime viewers of the show know that pulling the pulling of the hijab is is a is a it's folklore. It's like Bigfoot or or the Loch Ness monster. And I want proof of hijabs being pulled. Well, the New Yorker put together this brief Twitter video showing how you defend against hijab pullers. Uh, oh, I almost forgot. Actually, we'll do this. We'll do this clip first, but I forgot. Speaking of art too, we had an animation segment sent to us. Don't let me forget that because it's very cool work. But the martial arts, this is, uh, so this is how to defend yourself against hijab pullers from the New Yorker. I love this. Oh, I fell in love with jujitsu right away. It was instantly appealing to me that there was a sport specifically designed to help me defend myself against the rest of the world, given that the rest of the world is much larger than I am.
you know, hopefully nothing bad ever happens to me. If it does happen, I can kick ass. That's so, so stupid. Oh, my God. If, if any incompetent man ever comes at you in slow motion, you could fight him uh, off with You might be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like how he just stops resisting once that little tiny Muslim puts him in a headlock. He's like, oh, yeah, you got no, me. <laughs> you will never pull my hijab. It's so dumb. I mean, even how many times do we have to debunk this premise that hate crimes are on the rise? It's based on reported hate crimes, not convictions, not charges, reports. And it's based on bunk sources like the Southern Poverty Law Center that use social media and their own web form submissions as data sources so that isn't what even bothers me about this it's the gender thing these no, idiot yeah. liberal women their entire lives are, are being told that there are no differences between genders and then it just takes one hippie to get punched right in the face by a small man for her entire world to shatter and her to be like wow even a small man could beat the shit out of me what, yeah, what is it going to take? What is wrong with these women? if you want to get serious women? about your defense, you need an equalizer. You need a scary firearm. You yeah. need, I mean, at the very minimum, you need mace, whatever. You need something that equalizes the physical strength between men and women, uh, which, by the way, will be a topic of debate on <laughs> Sunday. Men and women, who's stronger? Find yeah. out on Sunday in the I debate know, with River yeah. Gibbs. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, my God. What a waste of time. Before I forget, I did want to give uh, a lot of credit to uh, I got a, an animation segment from listener Christian, and I thought this was very cool. He just kind of animated a brief segment on our podcast, uh, and it, it's just kind if of a funny If your goal look. is to run people over with a car and you don't kill anyone. Um, Maybe you were pretty wasted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I hate to joke about these things too much, but I don't know. I mean, is there anything... <laughs> I don't know. This, do I dare go down this road without providing like soundbite material? But how much of a loser do you feel like as a terrorist in a jail cell who didn't succeed with a car? You know, it's one thing if the fuse to your bomb doesn't work, but if your goal was just driving people over and you didn't succeed, that's pretty sad. I know. Was he in a Prius? What's going on here? <laughs> Very cool animation work. So oh, thank how you, cute. Christian. That was yeah, adorable. I, I thought that was really nice. Okay. Let's get to the meat, to the meaty topics. So Bill O'Reilly's out. We're going to start with that. I don't really want to talk about, I mean, obviously I, the allegations are important and there's a series of them. Do I find them to be believable? Sure, I guess. There's not a lot of evidence to work with. So it's hey, kind of- hot it, chocolate. It, yeah. Hey. So that was the the straw that broke the camel's back here was this, this woman who is now suing for alleged racial and sexual harassment, calling her hot chocolate. <laughs> It looks like he's had something like, five, I believe, five settlements previously. Right, right, right. And the settlement amount is $13 million. And at first I was like, Is that total shit. or individual? Total, total. total, okay. But the O'Reilly factor makes $80 million a year. So that's like a fucking drop in the bucket. They're probably yeah. just settling everything left, right, and sideways so they don't have to deal with it. $25 million severance for Mr. O'Reilly. Oh, and I, and cool. as I said, I guess he's going to start a podcast called the No Spin Podcast or something like that. So... He's going to get right back into it, but uh, I guess my question here is, does Fox recover? Does the mainstream media recover? Because So Tucker's going to take the time slot, and I love Tucker. Tucker's great, but I'm not going to get a cable subscription. I'm going to watch Tucker on YouTube using the pirated clips that everyone else posts. Or if the Fox News Channel posts them, I'll watch them there. But yeah, it yeah. seems to me that like, oh, they're scrambling to replace him and stuff. Why? This is going to die, and I love Tucker Carlson, but just make it a web – just move into the 
move into the 21st century because I think this is just accelerating. They can't their death. do it though. They're too resistant. They're too resistant to it. They have to change their entire business model. Um, so O'Reilly I mean, got you're, like four- you're saying, are they going to recover? No, of course they're not going to recover. They're on a downward trend into just complete death. Yeah. So why try to keep perpetuating that model? Uh. Um, I don't know. I mean, they would have to change everything about their businesses, everything. That's why they're desperately trying to keep it alive. And they would have to enter a world that they don't really understand. Like if you watch CNN and like watch the way that they talk about memes and stuff, they don't know anything about internet culture. It is yeah. like they are woefully ignorant of internet culture and millennials too. Um, Tucker Carlson's not. He is the gem of Fox News and the mainstream media for that matter. So, the, so I, I, I'm pretty happy that he's taking this time spot, this time slot. But at the same time, I'm just yeah. going to continue watching well, his pirated clips. But I, I mean, it's a great opportunity for him, and I'm sure he is happy. But at the same time, absent the money, because I'm sure the money's nice. If he's getting additional money, I don't know. I'm sure he is, but, right? It's a way better time slot. Yeah, but you're you're being thrown into this spot where you got to fill a time slot that was previously getting four million viewers a night, and it, like as you said, it's a disproportionately older demographic who I don't think are inclined to necessarily like him. Yeah. I don't know the spring chicken though. He's in his mid forties, maybe late forties. Yeah, I guess. Who's this young gun bringing in all these crazy Antifa Yvette Falarkas to talk about things I don't understand and all these Milo Milo Minneapolis's and all these people (laughs) who go on his show. I just, I don't know that it connects with O'Reilly's demographic. And so then they die off and, and you're left with nobody because everyone else is online. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to adapt, but that goes for legacy media as a whole. Um, and Fox is doing better than CNN and MSNBC, if I'm, if I understand. Yeah, they still are. They still are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill uh, O'Reilly's old as all hell, too. So I, I don't know if this is really a big deal. They're probably like, well, he's ancient and these allegations are somewhat credible, probably. We did have all these million dollar settlements. So let's yeah. just get them off and then put the next ranking <laughs> Fox guy on there. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, it's just something interesting to think about. That's really what I think about in this is the implications for the Fox channel and for the mainstream media. And, you know, what I hope is the accelerated death of what needs to die. <laughs> you know, I, know. I, I do have my people I like, Tucker included, but sorry. I just this this needs to go away. This platform. Yeah, uh, I agree. Not that it needs to go away. It just it needs to adapt. Let's put it that way. It needs to adapt to what consumers want. And so far, they haven't really done that. And they just continue to bleed to bleed uh, viewers instead. So anyway, I'm sure Tucker's going to be successful no matter what he decides to do. Because somehow he talks to all the craziest people in the world. They all agree to talk to him. And uh, nobody does it better than he does. He always, that bewildered look on his face is so funny. And my brother described it accurately yesterday. He's always looking at these liberals like a dog watching TV. And I was like, that is so (laughs) spot on. That is so spot on because he's just looking at them like, what are, like trying to understand their mental gymnastics and their cognitive dissonance. And he's like, what what happened to you? (laughs) Ah, okay. You want to, um, so you've spent some time looking into what's going on in France and I am only partially (laughs) informed. You want to explain to me? Kind of what happened? Well, you want to start with the? Should we start with the terrorist attack that yeah, led up I mean, to the election today? Yeah, I mean, everybody's caught up to speed on that one, probably. Um, this I'm a not. French national named what is Karim Trufri? I don't even know how to say that. Um, he exited his car in the Champs Elysees, opened fire on a police van using an automatic weapon, killed one officer. Uh, they engaged him in a shootout. Uh, two more officers were wounded, and the perp was killed. So as it so happens, this guy was already convicted on three counts of attempted murder, and two of the targets were police officers. And this was in 2005. When you say and, French net, is there is there any connection to Islam in this case, or is it? 
<laughs> what do you think? No, well, I'm I'm asking genuinely. I'm not no, kidding they were when I say I don't. Him a French national, but he's okay. clearly clearly a Muslim. I mean, I and, haven't and, read up on this at all, so it is news to me. Yeah, he's he's definitely Muslim. Um, and police have been watching him as a potential but, terrorism suspect. But he's okay. But he's uh he's been in France for some time and convicted for of several yeah. things. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And then ISIS took uh took responsibility for the attack, which oh. I'm always suspicious of because I think that they just like encourage these lone wolves and then no matter what they do they're like we were totally responsible for that yeah yeah so i'm not really sure what that means um but this is significant you know this is just another day in france but it's significant because it comes ahead of the french elections um and probably bolstered marine le pen's position a little bit so yeah and it looks so it's projections that are out right now right and just so people no, i think that everything's probably in the last i looked before that like 20 minutes or 30 minutes before the show, it was like 93% of votes were in. Okay. And um, Emmanuel Marcon was at uh, 24%. Marine Le Pen was uh, around 22. Okay. So this is basically a done deal. And for people that don't understand, including myself, like six hours ago, um, this is a, so this is a, a preliminary election with several candidates and the top two advance to a, a final or a runoff election in a month on May, less than a month, a couple weeks on May 7th. So it'll be Le Pen, who is the far right extremist, and um, and this guy is what's his name? The, he's considered a uh, Emmanuel or centrist. Macron. At or least Macron? that's what I've read, but I don't know what his positions Macron? are. Emmanuel Macron. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's pro EU. You know, he's he's what you would expect. He's not a traditional leftist. He's kind of uh, he reminds me of of Trudeau. I gotta say, he kind of he kind of looks like him, and he's uh, running on kind of. So the Trudeau fields. is a French centrist. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. But when I was researching this guy today, uh, which I didn't know very much about the French elections before before this podcast, I was just uh, doing some preliminary research, and I discovered that this dude um, married his high school uh, teacher. He started like you know trying to trying to get in her pants when he was seventeen. She's twenty four years older. So when he was twenty nine, he married her, and she was in her mid fifties. Now she's sixty three. He's 39 and he's like raising her kids that are his age and her grandkids. He's raising her kids that are his age. He's well, like you know, 40. He's the stepfather of <laughs> or the, how of old the is this guy? Are. He's 39. Okay. Yeah. But this, like I found this shocking for some reason because like what kind of man or political leader is going to, that is so dysfunctional. That is so dysfunctional to marry a woman that is like a, an authority figure to you, so much older than you, not have children of your own. It's like, whoa, this is who you guys want, whatever. Well, it is it is unconventional for sure. Are you making a particular accusation against him of an alt-right variety? Is that where you're trying I to mean, go with this? I mean, this is this is cut. He doesn't want his own kids. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna like be the stepfather to people to to kids his own age, and he's gonna marry a woman that is, you know a quarter century older than he is not having any of his own children. That's, that's <laughs> I mean, it is, it is true. It's a kind of an interesting way to phrase it. Cause it makes it sound like she's a mummy or something. She's pretty fucking old. She's yeah. 63. He's 39. Can you imagine? Well, no, I can't. I mean, I, I think it, it's not probably not my thing. Um, but you know, whatever. I saw the movie American pie milfs are out there. Okay. And he's just, he's French stifler or whatever. Uh, maybe there's something more going on here. I don't know. Uh, yeah, this is a manifestation of some weird, uh, unconventional, come on. <laughs> All right. What did you, was it? Marie Letourneau or whatever? Mary Kay Letourneau. Mary Kay Letourneau. Yeah. yeah. Weren't they like 20 well, yeah, but years apart? 
Yeah, but the kid was also very young, like 13. I mean, that was a yeah, case of like child was, rape. was like 17 when he started pursuing her. So she could have mm. been his teacher when, when she, you know, he was 14 or 15. I mean, I, I grant that it's a little different, but I also don't necessarily care about his family relationship that much. I don't know. What, uh, what I, okay, here's, here's what I it do It just care about. makes me think that he's a pussy. That's all. <laughs> Uh, well, I can provide you with some evidence for that if you'd like, because what I do care about this as if, again, a, a faraway observer, I'm not going to sit here and tell you like, here's my informed, nuanced opinion on French <laughs> politics. Let me tell you, I'm the expert. No, of course not. What I see in France is a country that has been ravaged by terror attacks for the, mm. uh, the last couple of years. And if I'm a French uh, resident, I go, huh. A lot of shit blowing up around here. A lot of people being stabbed and shot. Right. Be kind of nice if they weren't. And so naturally you gravitate towards a candidate like Marine Le Pen who says, no, guess what? Criminal migrants or criminal, especially people who are here illegally and are criminals beyond their illegal status, you're going to go away and we're going to get harsher about who we let into this country because we have a security problem. That just makes sense to me as that's a rational position, a rational response to some, to, to violence in your country. And we're seeing that portrayed as a far right extremist position. Everyone's far right voting for Le Pen. Uh, and, th and, and then we see this other guy painted as a centrist. The quote that sticks out from this, this other guy, this Emmanuel uh, Mac Macron. Am I saying his name right? Macron. Macron. I don't have it French enough. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. What he said, so what, what he says too, I mean, this isn't the most damning quote ever, but you read between the lines. It is an interesting philosophy. Macron told French radio, this threat being terrorism, Islamic terrorism, this imponderable problem is part of our daily lives for years to come. I would like to express all my support for our police forces, more generally the forces of law and order. I'm particularly thinking of the victim's family. Um, no, it's actually, I, I would disagree. I, I don't blame anyone who disagrees very strongly with that statement. I think it's a very ponderable problem. I think we should ponderable. Pon what does that even I mean? Th that it's I take that to mean that it's we shouldn't bother solving it. I mean, the, the the gist of what he's saying is don't try to solve this. It's just a fact of life. And maybe I'm being uncharitable in that interpretation, but I don't think that's a very palatable outlook for a lot of people. And if I were a French voter, I'd say, eh, you know, I, at the end of the day, every other policy comes secondary to just knowing that I can walk down the street right. safely and safely, not have my kids right. shot and you know, or have my family blown up or any of this garbage. So I understand it yeah. entirely. And I'm just, I hate that that's extremist and right wing. Basic security is, everything else is secondary to that. So we'll yeah. worry about left, right later. This is just, do you, do you want France or not? I know, I know. That's all you can really say. It's like, do you do you want to protect your borders? Do you want to take your country back? Do you want to have national pride? This this pretty much will define it. I mean, I don't know how they're going to pull out of another another period of uh, an open borders. I don't know. Do we have any idea of um, her prospect in winning on May seventh? Is that um, something that's polled already, or is that? Well, you know, you know how polls are. Um, I was watching RT before the before the stream, and it seems like it's uh, the prospects are pretty bleak. But I know Sargon put out a, a pretty positive, optimistic video yeah. a few days ago. I saw him. Well, I saw him saying, "I think Le Pen will win." And then after I looked into this, now, so now I need to go back and watch it. Because did he mean win today and get into the runoff, or does he mean just straight up win? I was under the impression he meant straight up win, but okay. uh, I was not paying like super close attention when I watched that video. So yeah, I, I watched <laughs> it this morning because I wanted to get some information on this. Because um, yeah, it's 
mostly new information to me, but I do find this this trend toward nationalism, whether it's the U.S. or what you know in Europe or wherever, I do find it pretty interesting just as an observer. So uh, it's interesting to follow. In, in any case, um, I'm sure all the Pepe's are happy. All the memes are going to be especially dank in the coming weeks to try to secure a victory for Le Pen. But anything else on the France stuff? Uh, no, that pretty much that pretty much sums it up. We got lots to get through. We probably should move on. We do, um, but we got time too, so I don't want to get too hurried. Uh, the, so the Cleveland Facebook killer, we this was g- going on last week when we were live, and now we've seen uh, the conclusion <laughs> yeah. of the story and some of the developments. So Steve Stevens, mostly everybody knows this story by now, but this guy Steve Stevens apparently was dissatisfied with his life, dissatisfied with his. Is it girlfriend or wife? I forget. But his girlfriend broke up with him, I believe. Yeah, he he, uh, he was you know he was let down. Some little filly broke his heart, as um, Lloyd Christmas might say. And uh, so he, he, I made the mistake of watching the video. I don't, I don't know if it was a mistake. I, I I can't when I see these videos are available. I I just I watch them because uh, I want to know. No, and like I said, I watch ISIS videos because I want to know what we're dealing with, and I, I watch this stuff because. I don't know why. In any case, he's in his car and he's, he says, you know, I, I hate my life. I hate this. I hate that. And he gets out and he's like, a random elderly man on the street, uh, just an, a nice old man walking down the streets of Cleveland, minding his own business on Easter Sunday. And he says something to the effect of like, say say this woman's name. She's going to be the reason that you, you're going to die, basically. And then he just puts a bullet in the guy's face. And you can't really see that. It's kind of off camera when it happens, but you can see the aftermath. Uh, it, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. And then, of course, there was this. There was a manhunt that went on for a couple of days. They found him in Erie, Pennsylvania, when he was trying to order chicken McNuggets. Allegedly, a McDonald's worker held up his nuggets for a little while while the police were called. Heroic McDonald's employee, by the way. I hope that person gets... I know there was a $50,000 reward for this guy. I hope this McDonald's person gets that plus, like, McNuggets for life or some little <laughs> bonus. I mean, great work. Um, but so... What has emerged after this that I find to be pretty interesting is all the controversy around blaming. I don't know if blaming is the right word, but the question of to what extent does Facebook have responsibility in the situation, not necessarily in causing the crime, although some people might even go that far. How? How? I mean, you got to talk to them. The same people who blame Orlando on guns, you know, but there but there was this story. This week, uh, you can read it in New York Times, and I was I was thinking about doing a video on it. I didn't get around to it, but um, just an interesting read. A murder posted on Facebook prompts outrage and questions over responsibility. It's in the New York Times. Everyone's really mad because it took Facebook over two hours to take down this video of this this murder that Steve Stevens had posted. You got Ryan Godwin here, uh, the grandson of the victim, saying, please, please, please stop retweeting that video and report anyone who has posted it. This is my grandfather. Show some respect. In Cleveland, and so what you have here is kind of this this battle between, or this these conflicting interests of the the privacy uh, the privacy of crim- victims of crime on the one hand, like this this grandson, versus the freedom of users to kind of post right. whatever they want. And so a lot of people have been really pissed off at Facebook, and I mean I get it to the extent that it that's very hurtful to that grandson, for example. But to me, like if you're going to place any blame on Facebook, I need to I need to have one of two or or two of two things demonstrated. One, that Facebook is intentionally 
ignoring this material. We don't have evidence of that. It took them two hours. And I guess that's right. a long time, but we, it's not like there was a Facebook guy who said, mm, eh, I, I watched the video. It wasn't that bad. I'll just leave it up. <laughs> right. So it's not necessarily negligence. Uh, maybe they could do it faster. Maybe not. Um, or, or two, you believe that Facebook causes this crime. Like he did it because of Facebook, which to me, uh, if anyone wants to make that claim, I'd like to hear it. But the Bit other thing stretch. that the other thing that comes out of that I just think about this analytically is if you believe that these crimes, so, so Facebook doesn't cause the crimes, right? The Cleveland shooting, the Chicago kidnapping, there are other examples of horrible things streamed and posted on Facebook. If Facebook didn't cause those and you grant that those were going to happen anyway, I get it. It's not nice to have terrible things happening to your friends and loved ones online, viewable to everyone. But another question that's interesting to me is, is the evidence worth the cost of privacy? I mean, the, there's no doubt who did it, right? If this was going right. to happen, you now have video evidence of the murder of your grandfather or the kidnapping of this kid in Chicago. And there's no way these people are going to get off or get away with it. It's not going to happen. And that's, that's just another philosophical question I think is interesting. So I imagine you and I probably agree on this to some extent. I mean, do you do you think Facebook needs to be much better in policing, policing their content. I think it's kind no, of an unfortunate concept. But I, I know that they're capable of policing their content in a timely manner uh, because they do it to the right all the time. And, you know, Twitter's the same way. And so I'm like, yeah, if you guys could use the same kind of force that you exercise against right-wing people, I think you could probably get your shit together so, and appease these people to some degree. You just prompted an awful thought experiment in my head but oh I'll no let's say we could do an experiment where steve stevens has we have control of his account and you upload two things simultaneously one is a video of a murder and the other is like no more muslims in this country and which one gets banned by facebook first, facebook first. <laughs> oh no oh no skag oh, i know no. I'm, I'm terrible i'm making i know i'm being islamophobic and making <laughs> jokes about an actual murder i'm not joking about the murder okay it is terrible and i wouldn't want to see my person or a loved a loved one of mine get killed uh, right. in a publicly and if visible you haven't watched like it that, but. don't just don't watch it please don't watch it if you saw that video of um what the journalist allison i can't remember her last name she got killed um, on air. Yeah, I remember that. But I watched that one and I could not stop thinking about it for the whole yeah, week. And was... this video is, you know, comparable. Yeah. So I don't know. I just I'm not going to join the chorus of putting heat on Facebook. I think it's I think it's I'm not saying they're perfect. I think they deserve some heat for some other things. But unfortunately, I do think that as long as we don't have evidence that they're being negligent in taking this down and we don't yet. And if people do have evidence of that, I'd like to see it. This isn't, uh, unfortunately, one of those consequences of, of having a format in which people can post whatever the hell they want. And if you like being able to post whatever the hell you want, right. this will happen sometimes. Periodically, that's true. And I, I hate that that's the case, but it's, it's just it's the cost of what is 99.9% .9 of the time an awesome, allegedly free speech format. Uh, speaking of, speaking of murders with weird developments after the fact, top notch transition, top notch. I'm trying. <laughs> so, so Fresno, Fresno happens this week too. Uh, there was a, this guy, um, Cora Lee Muhammad. I might be reading that name wrong, but, uh, this guy shoots three people in Fresno and he's arrested. And while he's arrested, he is yelling Allahu Akbar. Oh, um, is he? 
Yeah, surprise, surprise. And um, pray tell, what did the AP tell us? Yeah, so the AP <laughs> came under heat. They've since deleted the tweet. I had tweeted it out at the time. The AP puts out this tweet. You can see a record of it here in this town hall article. Fresno police say suspect in triple slang told them he hates white people shouted, quote, God is great before killings. And I love that it's in quotations, too. I don't I don't mean to be picky about that, but that's a translation in quotations. That is not um, that's not what he actually said, at, at least the words that came out of his mouth. Right. Um, and so they took a bunch of heat for this. To be fair to the AP, they have retracted that tweet. I mean, we are talking about a tweet, too. They, they retracted it and they. You know, said it was incorrect and oh you know they had some like round table meeting like okay how can we get around saying Allahu Akbar how it, well yeah and that's what's that's what's annoying is people, people try to say oh, you're being too picky but at the end of the day of course this is what you're talking about which is a deliberate effort to to try to mask the motive right of right. what happened there with wordplay and we saw the everybody same everybody acts like this is just accidental like you know like like they didn't do this yeah. deliberately to try to avoid saying Allahu akbar yeah it yeah i i remember um i was reading in that town hall story and similar example remember when they when um there was the orlando shooting omar mateen last oh yeah, yeah yeah and the dog replaced allah with god <laughs> in the 911 transcripts and this isn't an issue i understand translation when it's necessary. Like if we have a perpetrator who's speaking French, for example, and people, there's a full sentence in French and people in the United States aren't going to understand that. And you see, you need right. to translate it. I get it. Everyone knows what Allahu Akbar is and it has a particular connotation. And by the way, it's the correct connotation in this one. It's not misleading. And, and, and to your point about deliberate, um, just deliberately obscuring the meaning, the police chief came out and did a press conference and said, when he was arrested, he was shouting Allahu Akbar. And the AP tweets this after the fact. They knew. The police chief had said it. ABC News reported it. They didn't. There was no mistake. There's no. I, I can't. You can't be charitable with them. You can't really give them the benefit of the doubt in this situation. It's clear what they were trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And this is the same thing. It's like we have the same damn show every week uh, <laughs> talking about how the media treats these little terrorist attacks. Well, the one thing, the one theme we haven't touched on is weird tranny stuff. But don't worry, I have plenty of weird tranny <laughs> stuff for you to come shortly here. But we should move Did along. Did we have a bit. hoax this week? Um, I, I got some on Twitter, but I don't have one to report right now. Damn. There, Damn. there are more, yeah. Uh, but in the interest of time, because I want to make sure that we get the base Stickman interview going at the top of the hour, because I know a lot of people are excited for that. Let's talk about Berkeley and, and Coulter uh, and what's going on there. Sure. Um, so Ann Coulter was scheduled to have a speech on April 27th, and it was um, funded by the Young America's Foundation. They paid $17,000 to have her there. And so Berkeley was like, okay, it's too dangerous for you to do this. And they had all these stipulations, and she agreed to all the stipulations. She was going to speak in the middle of the day. Um, they had all these fees for policing and things like that. And then they offered they were like, no, no, no. And they offered to host her on May 2nd. And that is a week where there is no school. Kids are not, <laughs> they're not at Berkeley. Yeah. And so she was like, Jesus Christ. Um, and so I guess a host of people decided to sue. They, they wrote this letter. And the last thing that I read before the show was that this is back on. But I read, read on PBS that Berkeley has put this back on, but I didn't see anything about that on Ann Coulter's Twitter. Um, and so I think that she's just speaking anyway 
on April 27th. Well, I love, did you see her on Tucker's show? Cause she gave, a, I did, a, I did. So I love the way that she described what's going to happen. I don't know if this is, again, it's hard to tell. This is developing so fast that I I'm having trouble understanding what exactly is current. And it's something that's fluid, but I think this was what, like Thursday night, uh, her on Tucker's show. And I just love the way that she describes what's going to happen. And I'm a student of Orwellian language, so this jumped right out at me. This is a statement from Berkeley, two students that I'm quoting. We regret this outcome, the outcome being your speech being canceled, especially given our unqualified support for our students' right to bring speakers of their choosing to the university and our deep commitments to the values and principles embedded in the First Amendment. It's the opposite of that, actually, isn't it? <laughs> well, yes, it is. And by the way, I am giving the speech. Um, I don't know. What are they going to do? Arrest me? Um, they can put me in the, in the Birmingham jail. Uh, but no, I'm definitely giving the speech. I was invited to give a speech. Um, and they went through what, what college um, students have, have come to, to recognize. They kept piling on, you know, requirements, ruses. Um, you can't speak in the evening. You have to speak in the daytime when kids are in classes. We're not sure which room you're going to use. We won't tell you to the last minute. You have to exclude everyone um, except students. And although the groups kept, the intermediaries kept encouraging me to say, you know, this is unfair. They never do this to liberals. I kept saying, nope, I'll do it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so I agreed to all of their demands and then wake up this morning and they send out a letter saying how much they love the the First Amendment and freedom of speech and they're so committed to it. But we're just canceling her anyway. Um, so I what, do is that, what does that mean their... exactly? They're canceling it. That means they're not allowing you to speak there, these supporters of the First Amendment? Um, well, we'll find out if they arrest me when I show up to give my speech. <laughs> I just love this. I. I um I wouldn't hope that she gets arrested for my for the sake of entertainment I hope that she gets arrested because my God for what? arrested for trying to well that's the point I guess they'd try to get her on trespassing that's what they tried to get Shapiro on uh, at at um, this is so DePaul ridiculous in Chicago God. yeah well that's what's crazy is like yeah does Ann Coulter have a lot of beliefs that some people to believe to be distasteful or some people don't like of course but Ann Coulter is not like. I mean, she's been established for a long time. Yeah, and she even says in this interview with Tucker, she's like, I'm not Milo. I am like a 12, I think she said 12-time best-selling author in New York yeah. Times. It's it's not I, like some fringe punk, exactly. Right. Not to right. discredit Milo. I, I love Milo, obviously. But, um, I mean, Milo's controversy is it has kind of been a thing for a while. Ann Coulter's, Ann Coulter was accepted as a speaker for, has been forever. As long as I've yeah, yeah. enjoyed politics and Coulter has been there and I've not always agreed and maybe I do maybe I don't but I don't know I mean she goes on Bill Maher's show all the time and I love that I think we've talked about it before isn't it true that they allegedly hooked up once that would I've, be the weird I've heard that but I think my mom <laughs> told me that so I don't know how true it really is Bill uh, Maher and, uh, but apparently and they've Coulter. talked about it they probably had some thrilling hate sex I'm, I'm sure they well, they're quite friendly with each other even though they um fundamentally they don't agree on much everything. but that's what's interesting and i love this too i gathered some clips is like okay berkeley now that you think you're so tolerant that you don't tolerate anybody on campus anymore now that you block anybody and everybody with an opinion that doesn't fit the mold from coming onto campus it's not just this show right it's not the the people on the right um, who it's not those alt-right people or those conservatives who are criticizing you. Check out some of the people who were critical of um, of Berkeley this week. I mean, these are the people who are saying we this is wrong. Joy, Joy Behar on The View saying we have to allow her to speak. We have to allow her to speak. 
speak because then we would not be able to it's right. say what it's we do. Right. Right. Chris Matthews and the whole MSNBC panel. About the people oh, who are our age or my age, certainly who run these colleges who get paid because they're they're considered to be grown-ups and make judicious decisions based upon the principles the university's founded on, which is free thinking, argument, debate, left and right. That's how we do things here. That's why we come here to hear radical ideas exposed to us because we're not getting them at home. Berkeley and of course Bill Maher. You know, used to be the cradle of free speech, and now it's just the cradle for fucking babies. <laughs> and I, I feel like, you know, this goes on all over the country on campuses. They invite someone to speak who's not exactly what liberals want to hear, and they want to shut her down. I feel like this is the liberals' version of book, book burning. Yeah. And it's got to stop. And then Bernie Sanders spoke with the Huffington Post. Bernie oh. Sanders condemns, well, he condemned the threats, but he also did say, to me, it's a sign of intellectual weakness. So, uh, I mean, who's on your team anymore, Berkeley? How many people have to say this is just ridiculous before you start uh, developing a, a, a policy that's more consistent with the First Amendment? By the way, one of the things they talked about on The View, I don't know if this is true, but they mentioned it. Half of their research funds come from the federal government. Half? Half of their research budget? Yeah, you want to accept those funds. The United States Constitution is a pretty important thing to uphold. And I know Trump received a ton of backlash for saying this, but I think he's spot on. You want the research money? The First Amendment of the Constitution will apply in Berkeley as a condition of the research money. Yeah. Take it or leave it. It's time to defund anyway. I mean... I don't know. Doesn't so it, it drive you crazy that money is going to a school like this? It's churning out social justice warriors. I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of wish I wish we would have spoke to Bay Stickman about this a little bit more because everything I see in Berkeley now, I just I really do fear that something really terrible is going to happen in Berkeley, like something it will. more awful than we've seen so far, because it just keeps getting worse. This is going to be the next battle this week. Bay Stickman it says, as you'll see in the interview, he's going to be there at this yeah. Ann Coulter event. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just it's increasing escalation. And I don't know what you do unless we get serious about who the aggressors are here and we get serious about policing them. Ann Coulter is not going to liberal speeches to encourage violence and beat them up. But plenty of people are coming to Ann Coulter speeches, or at least probably will, I should say, going to Milo speeches, going to Trump rallies to beat people up. Well, let's have some predictions. What do you think is going to happen? <sighs> I don't, I just really worry. I mean, as basic man talk about the, the types of weapons they're using keep getting crazier and crazier. Oh, yeah, I point, think this uh, is definitely going to be worse. I mean, they're, they're teetering on actual terrorists. I mean, at what point do they make, they've already kind of made IEDs. At what point are we talking about like, I don't know, Al Qaeda style IEDs or real explosives that do not that they haven't done real damage already, but I'm talking like major damage. Well, there's no doubt now that the police um, have a stand down order. And so I think that that's going to embolden probably the right and the left. I don't know. I, I just um, it's I think uh, someone might die this time. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and like the stabbing that we heard him talk about and other stuff. Anyway, I'll stop. We'll hear about that momentarily, which but... I didn't hear anything about, by the way. But we yeah. talked about that, too. So, yeah. Uh, OK, I got 10 minutes to work with, and that's about what I will need to get through some of these things. So to get to some of the, I don't know, just, I don't know if these are lighthearted or not. They're probably more lighthearted than terrorist attacks. Let's put it that way. Dove put out this ad earlier this month 
And I saw it on Shapiro's show or heard it on Shapiro's show. And I thought it was Ooh, I'm so excited. I thought it was so funny. And you haven't seen it yet. So hopefully this is yeah. new to you, to our people who listen to Shapiro, it might not be. But I love this ad. Oh my God, this ad makes me laugh. So this is an ad Everybody by has a- Dove about, you know, what it means to be a real mom and, you know, how to be a mom and how there's no such thing as like a right way to be a mom. You might be able to tell where this is going. Uh-oh. Everybody has ideas about what it means to be a good mom. And most people feel like they have a license to tell you <laughs> what they think it means to be a good mom. I live to be the best version of myself that I can be. And part oh, of that is She teaches dance a and is a mom. That's, but that's I live great. to dance. I can do my art and not be any less of a mom. I'm a first-time mom, and I'm just figuring it out as I go. Oh, she's Oftentimes a first-time mom. Her grandma, uncles, her grandma tells you know, great-grandmas, they want you to do it their way. What we do here is... Un- oh, they live on a ranch. That's uh, that's very different. Look at all these moms doing different because things, he's the raising their children the different ways. I would say that he has such a different set of opportunities. We're showing him something unique. We are both his biological parents. You get people that are like, what do you mean you're the mom? What? Like, yep, (laughs) we're both gonna be moms. There's no one right way to do it all. You are the only expert in your kid. (laughs) Was there, there was no dad. Were those all single moms? Well, you're right. There is no, there is no dad. And if you're listening, I'm using quote fingers, dad depicted, even though the one is definitely a dad. And that's my whole take on this is like, okay, I agree. Raise your kids how you want. Live on a ranch. Be a first time mom. Don't listen to what your grandma says. Be a dancer and be a mom. That's great. Real moms don't have penises. Okay. I'm sorry. That's where I draw the line. That is where I draw the line. Not you can't have a penis. You get to be the dad. You get to be a legitimate parent. You can be, you can be transgender and be parent. No. You're not, it's not, well, two moms magically had sex and made a baby. No, they didn't. This is delusional. That is another tranny that looks like Crowder and Drag. That's the third (laughs) one I've seen this week. I, this is, I, again, this puts me in this this weird spot where I I don't want to rip on necessarily how people choose to live their lives. I I absolutely, live however you want. I just, we're expected to uphold these delusions like this. And that's where I, that's where I draw the line. I don't have to partake in the delusion. And one of the, one of Shapiro's key points that I think is pretty important too, is like, okay, feminists, you're always, you're always saying, well, men can't know the female experience. Men, you can't talk about abortion and reproductive rights. You're men, but you can be a real mom. You can just (laughs) say you're a woman and be a real mom. And that's totally feminist compliant. Right. (sighs) Good God. So, did just, he talk about the single mother angle? No, no, that's that's at least I don't recall. But that is interesting. I mean, I guess it was it was an ad that's targeted to moms generally, but you're right, you don't see a dad. Uh a breakdancing white chick with a kid, like if she had a man in her life, he'd be like, get your shit together. Well, I think actually I might correct that. There there is so I'll fake news myself right here. If you do you see that frame on the video share, there is what yeah, appears yeah. to be a dad there, but you have to assume that to be the case. We that might be her dance instructor for all we know. I mean, all right. All right. Okay. Okay. I can but, get behind that. But yes, we're supposed to see what's the frame? Where's the frame? We're supposed to see this oh. situation and say, "Oh, hey, it's two moms, two biological moms." No. That one chick looks normal. Yeah, that's the mom. 
I know, but like what psychological problems does she have that she's picked a mate like this? And they well, have it might, maybe, maybe it's the situation um, like we saw with the family a couple weeks ago where like maybe they got together and maybe the child, maybe the pregnancy happened before the, oh, the transition. transition. Yeah, I mean, for all we know, that's the case. Oh, I bet she's really disappointed then. <sighs> and, and, and it's just, it's to sell you soap. I mean, that's what, that's what this is for. Oh, well, I, really I important myself. for the sale of soap for me to Dove know soap. all about like gender dynamics and relationships and motherhood. <laughs> awesome. I, I just don't want to uphold the delusion. Is that too much to ask? Be who you yes, want. Be in is. your own home and do what you want. I just don't, if I don't, you're welcome to be my neighbor and live however you want within the <laughs> confines of your own home. But when you walk down the street and I see you with your stroller, I go, Hey, it's Joe and Joe and uh, Mindy or whatever. I don't have to go, Oh, it's Josephina and Mindy, the two biological mothers of that baby. I don't have to do that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm with you. Those are not two real moms. <laughs> those are a dad and a mom. That's the way it is. Uh, and they had a shot at being a normal family there too. They were so close. They were that close. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Um, speaking of, um, weird tranny stuff, <laughs> just got to go with it. So this story actually, it actually happened prior to last week's show, but I didn't become aware of it until Sunday and I wanted to do a video on it this week, but a lot of it's, it was a little bit unclear and there was so much more pertinent news this week or just more pertinent things to discuss. I and I haven't watched, I like everyone else have not watched the show Sur survivor in like 15 years. I think my <laughs> parents watched season one and that was about it, which is where most people are. So survivor, if you're not familiar with the show, they compete, they all live you know, in an exotic location. These contestants on the show, they compete in these various challenges. And then I forget like, however, frequently a week, every week or whatever, they have a meeting and they vote a person off the island for whatever reason. And so there's a lot of internal politics and stuff about like, you know, forming alliances and who's going to vote against whom to kick certain person off the island. So there's a lot of um, politics that go into that and political lobbying in terms of trying to trying to figure out, trying to trying to screw the person you want to go away, basically. So <laughs> the controversy this week is this guy, his name's Jeff Varner. He himself is gay. He's making the case to the rest of the survivors that they need to kick out this other contestant, Zeke Smith. And his points, as we'll see in a moment here, is that Zeke is deceptive. You can't trust Zeke because Zeke has told no one that Zeke is transgender. And there are a lot of questions that come out of this. CBS, I have found in the process of preparing for the show, has a more iron-fisted copyright policy than pretty much anyone I have ever tried to, to, to share media from on this show. So you're going to have to deal with, unfortunately, a very, I, I basically had to censor the footage, but we can at least hear it. It was impossible to get this through, but this is what it sounded like and sort of what it looked like on Survivor from a week and a half ago. There is deception going on right here, and you guys are the victims of it. Deception on levels, Jeff, that these guys don't even understand. There's more. Continue. Why haven't you told anyone you're transgender? <laughs> do with the game. You didn't have to do that. And then they all freak out. I mean, they all just rip him. It's so wrong we for are you to bring that up. I'm not using that as that anything has negative. That's not with the game. That's personal. I'm not knocking him. That's not deception. You just yeah, that was just that's so to dirty, Jeff. Two seasons I've played Survivor. I've told nobody. Jeff, 
when you say that by revealing that Zeke is transgender, you're proving that he's deceptive. I'm not saying, Jeff, that transgender people are deceptive. No, you're saying by him not revealing it that he's capable of deception. That is a giant leap of logic. I thought he was proud and out and loud about it, and I did not understand what exactly if I was doing here. If he was out and proud and loud about it, why did you make it a point that everybody would have to know then? And one of the reasons why I didn't... Okay, and then of course we get this like uplifting impromptu speech from the transgender person himself or herself, whatever. I. I guess we'll go with himself. In any case, of course, music play, uplifting speech about how far we've come, all that. With that, because I didn't want to be like the trans survivor player. I wanted to be Zeke the survivor player. And you are. And I feel like I am. You, you are. are. So, you know, I think I'm okay. Like, I knew someone might pick up on it or it might be revealed. I am prepared to talk about it, to have it be part of my survivor experience. It's kind of crappy the way it's happened. I'm sorry, Zeke. Metamorphosis is the word of the episode. I feel like I've seen such a metamorphosis of myself over the past, I think today is day 52 that I've played Survivor. And I don't know that like the scared kid who hit the mat in the marooning at 33 would be as calm as I am right now. Okay, oh. I've looked into this. It's basically gut feeling. Do you think it's scripted or planned or not? I That's mean... totally, <laughs> totally scripted. Totally scripted. But what I do know is that it's every- It's passable tranny, by the way. Oh, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. I should share because I had to just uh... one blurry tranny. Yes. Right so up. here's what this person actually looks like. This is Zeke Smith. Um, I, again, a person he, he was presenting himself as a gay man. And I would I mean, based on what I've seen on the show, I probably would have never questioned that. Um, so, you know, congratulations on your passing privilege um, and that nice beard. How does she she? She has a better beard than I do. <laughs> I need to take some of those testosterone injections. But in looking into this, I did discover that everyone is a hypocrite, in my opinion. Everyone. So one of the puzzling things about Jeff Varner, the guy who does the outing, is you'll notice in his case, as you heard, he says, oh, well, Zeke is deceptive because Zeke has told nobody that he's transgender and then he's sort of rationalizing it later and he says well i thought you were out and proud well what if you thought he was out and proud then that undermines your deception case yeah. and maybe you think um oh well that you know that's in the moment uh, maybe he was just kind of not thinking clearly in the moment okay you got to remember this happened 10 months ago and is just now airing now this happened last summer so varner puts up this apology this last week on Twitter in which he still says, I recklessly revealed something. I mistakenly believed every, everyone already knew I was wrong. And I make no excuses for it. Okay. But if you weren't revealing shit, then, then there's no purpose for the speech. Right. Yeah. There's no purpose for the case that you're making. So that's weird. <laughs> um, and I find that to be pretty inconsistent. Uh, Zeke, the transgender person himself uh, came out with this, this, column this week in which he says a person's gender identity is private information and blah 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 i'm not mad about it that's what i liked about this whole exchange too was everybody zeke apparently isn't that mad about it and says oh i knew that it would kind of get out but i was i just went ahead and let everyone rip you for a long time anyway even though i'm not mad i let everyone else be offended on my behalf and then i'll then i'll jump in and say oh it's no big deal but by the way a person's gender history is their own private information well he was out 
previously at Harvard. You can find an article. I'll link that in the description. He was out at Harvard, so this wasn't necessarily secret. That's not necessarily hypocrisy because maybe you consider something to be more private at any point in time. Right. But you don't go on Survivor. Here's the Survivor contract, the contestant contract. This one's older, so it might not be the exact same contract he signed, but I'm comfortable assuming that he signed something very similar. Um, you sign away your right. Survivor, the show, may reveal and or relate information about me of a personal, private, intimate, surprising, defamatory, disparaging, embarrassing, or unfavorable nature that may be factual and or fictional. So, sorry, you don't get to claim this this private information thing when you signed a contract on Survivor that basically says, people might say some fucked up shit about you <laughs> and you have to go along with it. The so there was TV that. contract. And then, Don't and you then people I, know? Yeah. And then I find the producers and the guy, the host of the show, to be very hypocritical too because he rips Varner. The host rips Varner during the exchange for outing him and saying, that's a leap in logic and how do you think the LGBT community is going to react? I can't believe you just outed him to 60 million people or something like that. Yeah, well, you had this footage for 10 months. And by the way, when Varner did the outing, it was to like five people. And now you've done it to the millions of people. And they say, oh, we worked with we worked with Zeke and we worked with Glad to make sure that the presentation was very fair and what they wanted. Well, then why are they signing a contract that says we'll say whatever shit about you we want and you can't do anything? Then why do you have the contract? <laughs> so at some level. At some level, this is a big virtue signal, in my opinion. Of course it is. Does this surprise you at all? Yeah, I think the question is They're how like, we've lost relevance it? because nobody gives a shit about our show since season one. So how yeah. can we make this relevant? And I forgot to and I forgot to include that, but you're right. This Survivor premiere that started in March, worst in the history of the series. But yeah, I didn't even know that, that show was on. No, neither did I. And I thought that, it was we are stopped like about. in two thousand and four five. I don't I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even know. So anyway, if you got thoughts on the Survivor outing, if you think you can explain it or provide evidence about its legitimacy or its fakeness, I would uh, I would love to have that. Feel free to tweet me or email me, and um, I'd like to give it a look. Other than that, we're at the top of the hour. Got Base it all man time. cranked out. Um, I want to make sure that any super chatters we had are acknowledged. Yeah, I got a little list going on. Yoda Economics, he's been given to us almost every week. Oh, he's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh liberative did i write that down right uh say bra based mama oh. she said show your dog oh well <laughs> and, and she just she gave us another two dollars read your super chat that's why we pay for it <laughs> <laughs> is your dog handy is caesar handy no no show your dog oh oh ba well bash yeah okay no one cares about caesar He's a little oh shit. i thought and she then, was uh, stan kanapka um which we know from the river gibbs <laughs> incident yeah yeah <laughs> and malcolm from the north Oh, well, th thank and you guys. And Stan gave us money um, just so that you would never show the clip of the tranny ever again. Which well, which one? The, the, the mom the, one? How many trannies do we talk about? Well, we did uh, Zeke and we did the... Oh, that's right. The, the, I think it was the Zeke tranny. He said, never show this again and then gave us a few dollars. Oh, so thank you. oh okay. Um, base Mama, <laughs> I will it. make good on the... If you want a picture or a video of Bash the Frenchie, my dog... Uh, get in touch with me on Twitter. I will happily send you a picture and or a video that um, that uh, completes Please this Please post agreement. a video of your ugly flat face dog. It's going to be too loud and snorty and grunty. It's, Everybody would ugly. love it. Oh love my it. God. You, you have no idea. Maybe one day Caesar and Bash will hang out and um, we can get some video of that. Anyway, um, we're delaying what the people want, which is to hear based stick man speak 
Oh, and I did want to point out that his audio and video froze for me at one point, and I lost my train of thought. I was asking him about um, uh, about the shooting that happened at the Milo incident. So yeah. I apologize we, for that. We did have a little bit of technical difficulties with his video, but you know, it happens on Skype. Somehow we still do better than CNN, as we say. <laughs> Who knows? And anyway, in any case, thank you to our uh, super chatters for supporting the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. Do stay tuned for that uh, interview with Bass Stickman. I'll come at you right after this intermission. And thanks to everyone for the patience uh, if, if you've been waiting for it. Thanks, as always, to our live viewers and live chatters. You guys should posting away, keeping us honest while we try to maintain sincerity. If you are listening on YouTube or an audio platform on demand, thank you kindly as well for supporting the show. There is more material, including the call-in show, on the audio platform, so check those out. That's iTunes, Google Play, anywhere you can find your podcast, you can find us. They're all linked in the description for you. Email us, that's beautyinthebeta at gmail.com. We will be back next Sunday with the debate that you've all been waiting for, River Gibbs. Because if it's Sunday, I'm sorry, Chuck Todd, it's not Meet the Press. It is Beauty and the Beta. We will see you then. Bye, guys. Welcome back. We are pleased to have our guest this evening, Kyle Chapman. Uh, you may know him as Based Stickman, the vigilante defender of life, liberty, and property against the Marxist horde of Antifa aggression. Thanks for taking the time, Kyle. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. So um, you are no stranger to our audience, I don't think. We've covered what's been going on in Berkeley and specifically some of the events that you've been involved in specifically. Um, but one of the things that fascinates me about the character that you've kind of become or the meme that is Bay Stickman is it just kind of appeared out of nowhere, at least to me as an outside observer. So the, the first time I saw you was actually at this March for Trump rally last month. Um, and it was that famous example that everyone's seen where you had the shield and the stick and you gave that encroaching guy just a really good whack and, uh, you know, the rest is history, but one of the things I haven't heard you talk about is kind of how this originated and, and where this came from. It's like you showed up at that event that day, clearly prepared for the violence that Antifa intended to bring. And so I'm just wondering if you can speak about uh, how this has been trending in Berkeley, what led to the creation of, of what has become Base Stickman and why you're doing what you're doing. Sure. So as many of you know, Berkeley is a neo-Marxist stronghold uh, it is headquarters for groups like BAM, By Any Means Necessary, which is a violent communist group. Uh, Antifa also has a heavy presence there. Uh, they, too, are violent neo-Marxist. Um, so knowing that there was going to be a Trump rally 
happening in Berkeley, it was just, to me, it was a no-brainer. I mean, there was a 100% chance of violence that was going to happen. And I had a really bad feeling that many of the people showing up to this rally weren't going to be prepared for the violence uh, that they were about to face. And so I got prepared. I geared myself up and showed up ready to defend myself and my fellow patriots. Hmm. Um, so when you say, when you say geared up, uh, what exactly are you wearing when you, when you're getting ready to face Antifa? I mean, obviously you have like your right. shield, your mask, your helmet. Are you actually wearing any kind of like armor or anything under, under well, the, your clothes? The, or anything shield, like the shield and the mask, I didn't show up wearing that. I was, oh, okay. I was hoping not to have to put that on. So I just had my USA hat on and a pair of sunglasses. Um, mm. I was maced multiple times. Uh, so after about the third time of being maced, I donned the helmet, the goggles, and the respirator. And I think at that point, Base Stickman, or the Alt Knight, was born. <laughs> right. Um, I had never put anything on at once beforehand. It wasn't a contrived outfit. It just came together, and the the finished product, uh, what you saw at the Battle of Berkeley, uh, just kind of ended up looking cool. Um, <laughs> it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't intended to look that way. Uh, <laughs> it just turned out that way. Maybe God had a hand in it. But um, in terms of uh, the protection I'm wearing, it, it, it's essentially what you see. Uh, it's the helmet, the respirator, goggles, shin guards, a nice strong pair of uh, boots. And then underneath my shirt, I taped several duct tape, several National Geographics uh, around my waist to prevent myself Jeez. from being stabbed. Good Lord. So, so what do you think the average person should do? I went to Milo in Seattle and it was it was insane. I couldn't even believe what I was seeing and like nobody was really prepared. So if we're going to go to these events, what do you think we should be wearing? What do you think we should bring? You have to take every single precaution. Every single precaution that you can legally take, take it. Every single one. You need the helmets, you need the goggles to protect your eyes. You need the respirators to protect you from the inhalation of the uh, bear spray and mace attacks. Uh, a stab vest, if you have the money, that'll cost about 250 to $300. If you don't Jeez. have a stab vest, uh, National Geographics work quite well. Uh, it'll take between two and three around your waist. Uh, and then you could actually stack them so you have a layer around your waist, and then you also have one on your torso and one on the upper part of your middle back. Just have somebody duct tape those on you, and I don't care you know, how big the knife is. You're not going to punch through a National Geographic. Like I've, I've tried many times. It, it is insane to me that this is a perfectly rational conversation. Like This is the state <laughs> know, that we have I reached, know. that this is a perfectly rational thing to do to prepare to go to one of these events. And so, the, I mean, you're no stranger to Antifa at this point. Blonde has experienced uh, certain degrees of this. I have not at all. Uh, but one of the things I wonder is since you've seen these people 
on several instances now. Do the tactics follow a pattern? Is this basically the same thing every time you see it, or do they do they change it up? I mean, what, well, what's their approach like? They're they're in the process of changing it up now. Antifa's tactics are primarily developed to to take on police forces. Okay, so they travel in blocks. Police will typically not engage Antifa one on one. So they stay in these very tight knit groups and blocks of people to keep the cops from coming in to their ranks and engaging them in, individually. Um, their their other tactics are uh, snatching people off the front lines and dragging those persons into the sea of Antifa, closing ranks behind that person, and then beating the living shit out of them. Um, and as they close ranks, it becomes very difficult for your people to punch through those ranks to extract that person and bring them back to safety. Um, so one of my, uh, one of my biggest things to tell people is you, you cannot ever let yourself get snatched by Antifa and dragged into the crowd. You don't mm -hmm. want to ever let them infiltrate within your ranks. Uh, as soon as you see one of them, you know, what you'll have, or you'll have these protests and, you know, right wing people, conservatives, we are fairly nonviolent. We are law abiding. We are peaceful people. These people are not. And so what happens is in, in the beginning of these protests or rallies, the Antifa would just start walking amongst your people, sizing you up. That's what they did on March 4th. They were all within our group. They were sizing us up. I was watching it happen. Um, our people didn't really know what to do. People weren't prepared. You cannot let them within your ranks. As soon as you see one of them start to just meander about uh, your people, you need to snatch them up and toss them the hell out. What do you think they're doing? Are they scouting or are they intimidating oh, yeah. or something, some combination? I mean, Absolutely. my understanding is these guys are not that the average one of them is not intimidating on his own, but it's right. this group thing. I mean, we're talking about, I was reading this study before we went live that there was some sort of study on who these guys are and they're more often than not unemployed, living with mom and dad, uh, you know, single, not doing anything with their life. And generally guys that, if you were to be in a one-on-one -on -one bar fight with, you probably wouldn't be that intimidated. But obviously when they're in a group with all these masks on, they can do whatever they want with these makeshift weapons and try to get away with it. And unfortunately they often do. But is, I mean, are they actually going in to try to instill fear within you? Or are they just trying to figure out weak spots to come have, and do what they do? You have different, different factions of Antifa. So there's, there's different people that fill, um, you know, uh, that fill different uh, positions. So uh, you'll have your your scout guys, your frontline guys. Those are the bigger guys. These these ones typically haven't been to college. Uh, they're recruited from groups like Sharp Skinheads Against Racial Racial Prejudice. Uh, they also have uh, men that are recruited from groups like La Raza Mecha, which are mm -hmm. are violent Mexican supremacist organizations and then also Black Lives Matter. Um, these gentlemen have a tendency to be much scrappier than your, your typical Antifa, and they will put those guys on the front line. So when they're walking amongst you, 
what they're doing is they're sizing up the crowd. They're, they're in their minds. They're saying, okay, that guy's a heavy hitter. That guy looks like he's no joke. Okay. And then once they've kind of sized thing up, things up and they go back and go, all right, we've got about, uh, you know, 10 heavy hitters over there that we have to deal with. The rest of the guys, you know, aren't about shit. You know, they're going to be easy to deal with, but we got these 10 guys. We're going to have to focus on them and try to take them out. Um, you know, first, and then hopefully the rest will crumble. But let me just say that even those nerdy, skinny little turds that don't seem very threatening, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the the bike lock attacker who turns yeah. out to be a president at, or a uh, professor at Diablo Valley College. I mean, to look at this guy, he's just some some skinny, privileged dork. You know, yeah, with his little squeaky voice. Oh, yeah. God. He's a but little guy, too. You put a bike lock in his hand and, you know, have him sneaking around, smashing people when their heads are turned. Yeah. That, that skinny little turd can become uh, quite a, a deadly force. Uh, or you, those little guys in the back, they're, they're, they're lobbing rocks the size of grapefruits and oranges. Yeah, it and that's what matter, the, doesn't matter how big you are. If you can throw that rock 20, 30 feet and it comes down on somebody's head. Yeah. And that's the frustrating thing is I'm seeing not that well, none of the fighting is good. Let me be clear. Obviously, I don't want political violence, period. That's the goal. However, um, how many, you know, straight up one on one fight like a man fist fights have we seen here? We don't see them. All they we don't see do is, that. yeah, fireworks, glass sucker bottles, punches. rocks. Yeah, sucker. All this crazy stuff, man. Oh. Stabbings. Did you guys see the video of our of our man being stabbed? I have not seen I that. I heard about it, though. So we finally found the video of it. Once again, this guy probably couldn't have weighed over 160 pounds. Uh, I, most people could have could knock this guy out with one punch. But he had a six-inch blade, and the video is circling around on the internet now. He went berserkers on one of our guys that got pulled into the ranks. The sea of Antifa closed around him, and you see this dork raise his hand up with a six-inch knife, and he started stabbing him. He stabbed him like six times. Did they catch fact, that guy? Or is they, he... Well, he was all masked up. We're working on figuring out who he is. So hmm. if you guys could find that video and blast it out on your site, that would be great. We need to get this guy. Uh, he mercilessly stabbed our countrymen about six times in the back. Even when the guy fell down, he started stabbing him in the legs. Is the guy going to be okay? I mean, that's... He's, 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 yeah, he's seriously injured. I mean, he's yeah. going to live, but he's seriously injured. Jesus. I didn't hear anything about this in any mainstream media outlet. Not one. Of course not. <laughs> no, so and that's no one surprise there. Yeah. Well, that's one thing that is interesting to me. So obviously this last week we had the the kind of the meme moment of this last one was that moldy locks character, this dreadlocked uh, young woman getting punched in the face by Nathan D'Amigo. And she goes on local CBS in San Francisco and delivers what is I mean, I don't blame her for spinning it in her favor, but I do blame CBS for giving her the most softball interview I've ever heard. You don't blame her for that? Come on. Well, she did lie. She just straight up lied. What I'm saying is, like, I I would expect that, I guess. What I I don't expect is the journalist to give her a softball and take all of her lies as true or at least not challenge them. And, And the station said, we reached out to Nathan D'Amigo. He didn't 
re- return um, our email or our call or whatever they did. Has anyone from an establishment media source ever tried to interview you? Do they reach out to you? Is that something Many that times. happens? Many oh, they times. do. Okay. Oh, all the time. Yeah, I don't accept interviews from those agencies. Hmm. I don't. I, I don't. Maybe I will in the future, but right now I've had yeah. K Ron, all the local news stations have tried to interview me. Um, I'm just not going to go and, and have them twist my words. And I'm honestly trying to, I have enough exposure as it is within, you know, this, these various political subcultures. Uh, but then once I go on the mainstream news and media like that, um, especially the local news here, then my face becomes extremely known and I have a whole host of other issues to deal with just I'd like- just do it in the mask do it in the helmet and the mask do it that way Look like bane <laughs> maybe you have a point there yeah maybe I'll keep the that. character alive yeah no i mean given given the way that they treated her or the way that they spun that story i can't say I blame you either because i i wouldn't expect to get fair treatment i mean if she's going to go on and be treated as the unqualified victim it wouldn't surprise me to see someone like you go on and be treated as you know the thug aggressor of course, uh, right. the, the person who's being opportunistic for violence which if you that's what's so frustrating about all this is if you if you do the actual work and watch the un unedited unfiltered footage that's on youtube it's pretty clear who the aggressor is in in these situations yeah and it's it, there's no doubt in my mind i'll be painted as uh a violent vigilante um so that's that's one of the main reasons i've just avoided it i already know what time it is with those people i'm not i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna go down that path so have you ever seen any violence instigated by Trump supporters? When I was at this Milo event, it was reported on, like widely reported on, that it was, uh, you know, Trump violence. Uh, we, were, we were the instigators, and that's always how it's reported. But I literally have never seen in video or in person anything like that happening. It's always Antifa. I just want to know if that's your same experience. I've, I've never seen a Trump supporter instigate any violence uh, at all. Um, now we've yep, answered. That's what I thought. <laughs> we've, we've answered violently to their attacks, and you know, for those of you that want to attend these rallies, and you you know you're going to encounter these people, yeah, I encourage you to defend yourselves violently and decisively. You do not allow a punch to go unanswered. You hmm. don't allow a push to go unanswered. You cannot show any fear. When you defend yourself, you do so with, with, with determination and decisiveness. You get right back in their face. And as, when they escalate it, you escalate your violence right along with them. That's the only way you're going to keep these people in check. I and think you're- to the soundbite stealers, he, we are speaking purely about defensive action here. <laughs> I know sometimes people hear this kind of language and they want to they want to twist it into some sort of opportunistic uh, intent. And clearly, this well, it's is- not even that. I hear people say violence is never the answer. And I made a video about that guy um, that was shot, the Antifa guy, after he attacked that Trump supporter at the Milo event. No mainstream media coverage about it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I've, I don't know about you, Blonde. I've lost Kyle's video signal. 
Um, I have. Do, He's stuck on a frame, but I okay. still am getting audio. Kyle, yeah, I, I can still hear you fine, Kyle, but I've, I've lost your video. I don't know. Um, yeah, but we, that's that's fine. We can keep uh, we can keep going, no problem. Um, Is the video like okay? Maybe hang on a second. It, it, it's, it's no big deal as long as we can hear you and we can hear you fine. Uh, okay. Um, let me ask you this: one of the things that interests me too about this um this moldy locks character in this interview was she traveled with a group from southern california from thousand oaks uh do you have a sense of like of how far people are traveling they're all converging on berkeley which to me you mentioned there was kind of this organizational structure earlier with these scouts and these people who are going out to do it just seems like this is a lot more organized than i knew previously so that i mean if there's organization that to me implies obviously a hierarchy of people in charge and then it implies money like if people are traveling from far and wide to make these things happen and there's a clear rank of of people who are delivering orders do we have any idea like who is behind this in terms of um giving orders and and supplying money or anything like that or is is it just I guess, I mean, it's frustrating not to know exactly who these people are, who, who exactly is behind it. Well, so, so BAM is a nonprofit organization by any means necessary. They've been around since 85, and they do have a hierarchy. Uh, most of their, uh, the people at the top are all college educated. You know, they have uh, graduate degrees and above. Uh, so they're they're sharp people. They're organized. Um, they do get funding. They take donations. They're so they are a nonprofit. So they're ta- able. To- they're they're. Is it tax deductible to donate to them? They're a charity. Yeah, they're a charity. Good. God. Oh my God. <laughs> That's that seems outrageous. Uh, Not only that, but they Bam uh, occupies one of the Section Eight houses in the city of Berkeley. <laughs> Oh my God! So the so interesting... They're living in in a in a basically a welfare house in Berkeley, uh, and they have all these kids in there that they're indoctrinating. The mayor of Berkeley is a uh, is is looking like he's a member of BAM, and the mayor of Berkeley. It, it, we have investigative journalists all right now, Gateway pundit. Uh, Gavin McGinnis, Rebel Media, they're all blowing the story. He's connected to Antifa. He's connected to to these groups. Uh, there's a lot of corruption uh, going on, a lot of overlap between BAM, Antifa, and these neo-Marxist yeah. cities. And, and just so people are clear, when you say BAM too, that's the, that's, so by any means necessary, that's the same group that was behind the Milo action. That was a hundred thousand dollars in damage and X amount of injuries or whatever happened there. And so, and when you're talking about this connection, what I've seen reported is this is the mayor, Jesse is Arguin, Jesse Arguin, the mayor of Berkeley is, um, is part of this BAM group on Facebook is what's being reported now. And yeah. is allegedly friends on Facebook with, uh, Yvette Falarka, who is that crazy lady you've seen on Tucker Carlson's show and local news talking about how violence is an appropriate, response when these people come to your town to speak um is there when you're talking about the connection and the corruption do we have evidence of a stronger Uh oh can you hear me all right can you still hear us kyle there you go gotcha 
Okay. Uh, um, so when you're talking about the connection between the mayor of Berkeley and BAM or Antifa and these other groups, is there, are you aware of additional evidence beyond the Facebook stuff or is the Facebook stuff, the, the extent of it at this point? We have additional evidence. We just, we have not released it yet. Okay. Um, it'll is, be forthcoming. Is there, is there like a, Ooh, your video's back. Nice. Uh, are you able to offer a timeline on that? Because that stuff's juicy if you, if you it have is. it. I'm it not is. expecting you to break news here, but I would be interested if there's like an, S, an ETA on when that information is available. It'll be coming out soon. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to settle for that. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, what else? What else? Do you have any, do you have any questions, Bon? Um, I mean, I guess... Uh, most of my questions surround, because this Milo event really affected me, and afterwards I realized, wow, we are unprepared, uh, and we're going to be painted as violent in the media. And so I guess um, most of my questions revolve around how we should react as average citizens, um, like what women that want to go to these events, what we should do, because I, I clearly cannot defend myself against these Antifa people. Like, they smashed my phone, they maced me. Like, it was, yeah, I was with a big dude, and I still was like, wow, uh, we're just not prepared for this. So... Outside of like decking ourselves out, like what can we do? How can we organize? Um, and should we even be going to these events like in mass? I think you should. I think the women are, are an important part of showing up at these events. And you can work as support systems for the men that, that have been injured, that have been maced. Uh, probably one of the most important uh, things women can do is set up triage centers to treat men that have been maced. Um, mm. You know, if you don't have the, the mace wipes, the 50-50 mixture of milk of magnesia and water to flush the eyes, once that mace gets in your eyes and let's say you just have water, you're done. You're done. That guy's not going back in that. His eyes are burning for hours. He's taken off the front line. And, and that's one less troop that you have. Uh, at this last event, even though I had goggles on, I was still repeatedly maced because what they had was bear spray and they had police tactical mace, which made its way in through the, you know, the snowboard goggles have the foam around mm -hmm. the edges to, so they don't fog up. Well, with a high pressure mace like that, if you get hit at close range, it's going to go right through that foam and into your eyes. So I got hit three times, and three different times, our people cleaned my eyes up, got me, uh, got the mace washed off my face, and in about five to ten minutes, I was put my helmet back on, and I went right back to the front lines. All this, um, it's crazy to me to hear all of this kind of militaristic language, and that was one of the things that struck me too watching this latest round from last Saturday was you had people yelling things like hold the line and you got these kind of revolutionary right, drum right. beats going on. You're like this is, this is a genuine war zone, like a, a hand to hand war zone. It's, it's <coughs> so strange to think that this is happening just on the streets of an American city. And of course, one of the reasons that it's happening is the lack of police intervention. And it seems pretty clear that there's some right. sort of top down order for them not to be intervening. And one of the clips that we were looking at on last week's show was this, this clip that made the rounds of, uh, one of the independent reporters there asking the police, like, you know, why, why aren't you guys doing anything? And one of the cops in the front seat is, is clearly frustrated, saying, like, yeah, why don't you ask the, the chief of police about that one? And yeah. You can see he just it, he's pissed that he can't 
try to restore peace here. Um, have you had any conversations with the police officers in Berkeley? Um, and I don't know, is there, is there any, any color you can add to, to the, to what's going on with the police? I wouldn't want to say too much, uh, when it comes to that. Um, I've been to jail in Berkeley three times now. Mm -hmm. I've, I've been treated great by all the officers, uh, at the Berkeley police department. And I, I can tell you that they are all very, very frustrated mm. and that this is, this is not their choice. Yeah. 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 I, I, I assume, you know, one joins the police to protect and serve, obviously a lot of that, that is their, that is their goal. That's what they want to be doing. And sure. I, I mean, sure. A lot of people are frustrated with the police, but you know, when it's this top down structure, like we're dealing with, uh, I can't imagine how frustrating it is for them too, because not only are you having to, to go away from what your purpose is, but you, you probably just also feel like you're, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to misspeak. Make them feel like a, a big wuss or something like that too. Like, cause it looks like they're hiding, but they're not hiding. You know, they're being told to do that. It just, it sucks for them. And uh, I don't know. I wish, um, I wish we get a clearer picture of exactly who's doing the orders. So we know exactly who to blame. It's the police um, chief. Yeah. Well, so, it's, simple. So, it's the police chief. The police chief is hired by the mayor. The mayor is a neo Marxist commie. Yeah, yeah. The mayor does not want us what? in his city exercising our First Amendment rights to free speech. This mayor is of the mindset that people like us are, are, are really should all be put in internment camps and re-educated to their Marxist ideology. Mm -hmm. That's that's the level this is at. This is not like this mayor is not just some run-of-the-mill democratic socialist. These people are neo-Marxists. These people are commies. They adhere to the, you know, the, the Communist Manifesto, the Ten Planks, the revolutionary ideologies, the, the violent Trotskyite mentality of the foot soldiers. They embrace that. These are, uh, these are communist revolutionaries that are running a city. Do you think... Um, public opinion in the Bay Area is shifting at all because I think obviously so I, I lived in the Bay for two years as well and obviously it's very it's a lefty place obviously but how much of this can you actually watch before you start to think uh, you know maybe actually shutting down political speech by violent force is a little bit too far maybe I'm not that much of a revolutionary is there I mean, as people wake up and this a lot of this Antifa action gets exposed and it's clear who the aggressors are do you see public opinion there shifting or are people still saying, oh, nope, it's it's the Trump supporters fault. It's all those right wing conservatives trying to come in here and provoke. I think public opinion is shifting. Um, number one, cities like San Francisco, while they are overwhelmingly leftist, the demographics have changed and you have a lot more entrepreneurial people here. You have a, a ton of libertarians. Um, you know, I think about 40,000 people voted for Trump in San Francisco. And so you could probably add at least another 10 or 20,000 to that that simply didn't vote because of the supermajority. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it, I think it's starting to change. Um, cities like Berkeley, <laughs> uh, you know, 
you that's a special place berkeley you know yeah the, the people there you know when it, hillary clinton talked about irredeemables you know <laughs> those, the, a lot of the the inhabitants of, of berkeley are simply irredeemable and and they're never gonna um they're never gonna see things the way we see it but th there is a, a a part of that citizenry uh that is getting sick of this uh, the more moderate side of of the liberal part, liberals which inhabit Berkeley, of course, they're getting pissed off, they're getting sick of it, and no matter what the mainstream media, the the way they spin these events, uh, when they when they broadcast it, all you have to do is go to the internet, and it is right. overwhelmingly clear who the aggressors are. Yep, there's just no doubt about who the aggressors are um, and people are seeing that and that's our whole point you know that's that's where I'm going with this is you know I've I've started uh, I've partnered up with Proud Boys and uh, we are creating a militant arm of the Proud Boys the fraternal order of the alt knights yeah. <laughs> that's great yeah and we're going nationwide with it and our focus is going to be you know, probably going to end up teaming up with people like uh, American Vanguard. And our focus is going to be street activism, turning out and protecting our right-wing brothers and sisters while they have rallies and protests within these Marxist strongholds where the police uh, and the governments have systematically oppressed them and refused to protect them uh, and allow them to exercise their constitutional rights. It, we're going to step up and we're going to do it. Excellent. Well, uh, if people want to get involved in that or they want to find you, where's the best place to find uh, all your stuff? Yeah, so you can follow me on uh, Twitter at BaseStickMan underscore. I have a, uh, a page on Facebook that's BaseStickMan. Uh, you can also check out my website, BaseStickMan.com. In the next few days, we're getting, to, getting ready to release a revamped professionally done website it's going to be really cool it's going to be a place where people can uh um you know check out what the, our latest events are check out all the memes and the videos regarding and surrounding these rallies and you know you could also uh donate to me uh at paypal help kyle chapman at gmail uh you could donate to me there which will help pay for my defense obviously i've been arrested three times I'll be arrested many more times before this fight is over and uh, bailing myself out of jail and uh, hiring attorneys can get quite expensive. Um, and I've also started a clothing line. So I have a, a base stickman store, uh, partnered up with a company, Gruntworks, a fantastic company. These guys are serious patriots, patriots first and entrepreneurs second. They put the mm -hmm. message before uh before the profits. And so you can go to, to Gruntworks, check out the base stick van store and purchase some of my, my clothing and apparel. For sure. Well, I, and I hope, uh, people who are able to throw a couple bucks your way for that legal defense fund, uh, we'll go ahead and do that. Cause man, I, um, free speech is so important as our audience knows. And as you know, but if the police aren't going to defend it, anywhere i mean we're talking about one city but if stuff if stuff like this expands you know it's pretty soon it's your city is the next one so if the police aren't going to help it's going to be guys like kyle who are going to go out there and and do the defense work in the defense vacuum uh so 
I just want to thank you personally for putting yourself at risk, uh, both legally and, you know, in physical danger uh, for something that's honestly the, the most important value, the master value, as they call it. So uh, on so behalf our, of... By the way, our, our next big event is going to be Anne Couture Coulter. Right. Uh, she's showing up on the 27th at the University of Berkeley campus. She's going to be giving a speech. Uh, me and my people... Is it going to happen? I, like it's, it's, it's going to happen. Okay. Yeah, she said on Tucker she's doing it. She's oh, it is going to happen. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's confirmed. It's going to happen. We need all of our people to turn out. You know, one of the most important things, uh, principles of this battle is we need numbers. We need our men to man up, turn out in mass. When Antifa shows up and they see they're equally matched, it scares the crap out of them. They're not used to that. They're used to outnumbering people two and three to one. Mm. But when they see an opposable force ready to rock and roll, it, it makes them think twice about turning out to future events, and, and it limits the amount of violence they're able to inflict upon us. So we need Excellent. people to turn out, guys. I, I, I need my men, my Western warriors, to start stepping up and turning out to these events and defending your right-wing brothers and sisters. It's so important. Uh, this battle has reached a new phase. This is where we've moved past the, the phase where this is being fought online and in chat rooms. Uh, this battle is now going to be fought in the streets. Yeah. The meme war has become the real war, unfortunately. This is, yeah. This is, yeah. This is where we're at now, and it's time to step up. Yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate everything uh, that you've done. And I look forward to, I mean, hopefully the peace to come. Obviously, I hope, I hope optimistically that Ann Coulter is going to speak in an otherwise uneventful incident. But uh, my fingers aren't, well, my fingers are crossed, but I'm not holding my breath. Let's put it that way. Um, but, you know, we asked you for a half hour and we've gone a little bit over time, actually. So um, we'll have to leave it there unless you got additional questions, Blonde. Uh, no, that'll do it for me. Thank you so much great. for interviewing with us and for the contribution that you're making. You're a great patron. Thank you, Blanc. Thanks a lot, Kyle. Look forward to uh, speaking to you in the future, I hope. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mm -hmm.